0: Bible open there at First John. Let me pray just before we come to God's word. Father God, we've been thinking already today about your unfathomable love for us. Lord, one of the most loving things you ever did was to tell us. What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What do you long for us to know about you and ourselves and how we might be together? Thank you for your word. Thank you for that loving gift. Help us now as we take a few moments to to consider what it has to teach us about living lives of love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Susan's already welcomed anyone who's a guest with us today. So I just want to add my welcome and to let you know that we started a series here last Sunday on the the fruits of the spirit, those qualities that Paul mentions in chapter five of Galatians, verse 22, those nine beautiful qualities which show the presence of God's Holy Spirit in a person's life. For those of you who were here with us let's let's remember very quickly what we said last week we said that those nine qualities are not a to-do list don't don't write a list put it on your fridge and, and try to tick it these aren't nine new testament commandments to replace the ten commandments of the old testament when paul gives us these qualities he he describes them using a metaphor one that we all understand, the metaphor of fruit. Fruit grows naturally. And it grows naturally on any healthy tree. So a person who is healthy, who has God's spirit in them, will naturally be growing these fruit. You might remember, if you were here with us, I finished last week's sermon with a question, uh, a challenge for me and for you, would you be willing to invite God to grow your character at this point in your life? I've thought about that since last week. And I thought, you know, there's a, a thing about old dogs and new tricks, isn't there? Some of us have been following Jesus a long time. We wonder if change is still possible. If we, if we think that way, we go into this series with, with no opportunity to hear God's word. No opportunity for his renewal in our lives. And that's why I ask the question. Could we pray that God would work in us this summer to give us more of his spirit and make us more like Jesus? That's what we're all about with this series. Okay, so let's start with the first of these nine qualities in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 when Paul talks about the kind of fruit that the spirit's going to grow in our lives he begins with love love comes first last week as we introduced the series we had a look at Paul's teaching throughout the letter to the Galatians and we noticed what a prominent place he gives in Galatians to love he's been reminding these Gentile believers that they don't need to come under the Jewish law. Chapter 5, verse 1 of Galatians. It is for freedom, he says, that Christ has set us free. And we asked the question briefly last week, if these Gentile believers are free from the law, what is it they're free for? How are they to use their freedom? Well, it turns out that they're free to love. This is how we live free from law without sliding into license. We live by the new law, the law that God writes in our hearts, the law of love. Paul refers to it three times in Galatians 5. He says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Verse 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Since we no longer live under the law, but live lives of love by the Spirit, it's, it's very natural that the first fruit of the Spirit that God wants to grow in our lives is the fruit of love. Love is first for Paul. Whenever Paul comes to love first and when he begins to start talking about love, he's really just echoing Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said when the the lawyer asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? He responds with those two Old Testament commands, one from Deuteronomy, one from Leviticus. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So whenever Paul puts love first, he does so because Jesus put love first. The New Testament writer who most emphasizes love is the apostle John. If you look it up on a Bible software, you'll see that. He just gets far more love mentions than anybody else. Three times in his gospel, when he's telling us about the life of Jesus, he tells us that Jesus commanded his disciples to love one another. So in John 13, verses 34 to 35, he says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Chapter 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Chapter 15, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. So whenever he's telling us about Jesus in the gospel that he's written, he he keeps coming back to Jesus' insistence that we love one another. Whenever John gets the freedom to write his own material, notably in his letters, he he can't stop talking about the centrality of love. You have 1 John open before you. In this short letter, John goes into a lot of detail about how we should love one another, not only in word, but also in actions and truth. Let, Let me show you quickly how often he talks about love. Chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be on that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in love. Chapter 3, verse 23. This is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Chapter 4, the passage we read, verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Then, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God first loved us, so we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Paul says, Love first. John says, Love first. They both say, love first, because Jesus Christ says, love first. Folks, when it becomes, when it comes to becoming like Jesus Christ, when it comes to growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, there's simply no question. It's love first. I wonder, have we understood that? Here at Hamilton Road or would we allow other things to seem to have priority in our lives together we're a church with many qualities many aspirations we're a church that values the Bible and good Bible teaching We're a church that calls people to pray. We're a church that prioritizes mission. What if we were doing those things and other things like them, but but we missed this? Would that not be a tragic outcome? The faithful follower of Jesus Christ is first of all, a lover. He or she Loves the Lord with everything that they have. And because they love the Lord with everything that they have, it's a very natural thing for for love to grow in their lives and flow to the people beside them and around them. This is the evidence that the Spirit of God's really on them. Folks, could I encourage you don't be too impressed by people whatever gifts they have if they don't love they can't be very close to god and the fruit of the spirit can't yet be rich in their lives it's love first I'm conscious that as I teach like this, you might be wondering, well, well, what's he actually talking about? What is love? If I asked you in the room what you think of by love, I'd get as many different definitions as we are here. L- let me tell you what I'm thinking about. I think we need to define it. If we don't, our, our sense of what we mean by love will be very subjective. It might boil down to how I feel. It might be very sentimental. We might mistake niceness and politeness for love. James Houston, my teacher at Regent College, defines Christian love in these terms. Christian love is a fellowship of doing good to each other, redeeming each other, reconciling ourselves with each other, loving each other, sharing with each other, sacrificially assuring and building each other, to grow together in community. That's pretty chunky and very real. So Christian love builds and maintains community. People who do this are lovers, and they're showing the evidence of the Spirit of God in their life. We've said so far that love comes first. We're going to say two more things about love. Love serves as a sign. And thirdly, love will change us. So this idea that love serves as a sign, love gives evidence of realities beyond itself. So whenever you see love in a person or in a community, it it shows us certain things. It shows us that there's spiritual life, that there's faith in Jesus Christ, and that there really is a God behind all of this who's pouring this love into our lives. John tells us about these three ways in which love serves as a sign in his letter. Let's have a quick look together. First of all, love for one another is a sign of life. Chapter three, verse 14. John says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who doesn't love remains in death. Chris Wright says, Christian love is a matter of life and death. It's as serious as that. It's what proves that we have passed from death to life. Folks, that should give us pause for thought, shouldn't it? Whenever it comes up in a conversation with a friend that you're a member of Hamilton Road, and your friend asks you, well, are are, are there any signs of life about that place these days how do we answer We, we might apply our own criteria and we say well of course there's signs of life there's been life around Hamilton Road for 125 years now or we might say oh yes there's lots of people at Hamilton Road Oh yes, we have a, a big staff team and with lots of activities going on and we support world mission all over. Oh yes, there's lots of life about the place. If we answered like that, we'd be applying our own criteria. But John and God's word here gives us the right criteria. God's word says that the true sign of life is this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Love is the sign that we have life, that the Spirit's on us. If you're looking for life, go and look for love in the community. Where there's love, there's life. Friends, can I ask you to let that truth settle on you? Don't be too impressed by our life together if it's not loving. All of our activity together could have a, a deadening effect on us and might well be killing other people if it's not done in the spirit of Jesus with great, great love. If we don't have love We shouldn't imagine that we have life certainly not the life that comes from the spirit of god so love for one another is a sign of life of god's life in us love for one another second is a sign of our faith in jesus christ look for a second at chapter 3 verse 23 god's command is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Notice what John's saying here. It's it's interesting. He says this is his command, singular. But then he says two things. Believe in Jesus and love one another. Either he's pulling a fly one, or he believes that these two things really are one thing that they're inseparable, that you can't have one without the other. If you're really doing the first, believing in Jesus, then you'll inevitably do the second. You'll love Jesus' followers. If you aren't doing the second, that is, loving Jesus' followers, then you aren't really doing the first. You're not believing in Jesus Christ. We can't split these two. They're the single command. Believe in Jesus and love one another. So folks, loving one another isn't just a sign of God's life in us. It's a sign that we we truly believe in Jesus, the the ever-loving one. And that begs a question for me. Can, Can you be a loveless disciple? Or to put it in the Hamilton Road terms, Can you be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ without loving other people? On reflection, I would say that the Presbyterianism that I grew up with allowed for that very possibility. It made love for one another voluntary rather than compulsory. There was a way of being a a good church member and a good Presbyterian that had very little to do with loving anyone else you just come along to our worship services and to our gatherings it's all right if you don't have anything much to do with anybody around you you'll know what i'm describing brothers and sisters god's word simply doesn't allow for that the command is to believe in the name of his son jesus christ and to love one another as he's commanded us If we're not loving, we're not believing. Not in the way that Jesus commands. Perhaps there's a a challenge here this morning and and I I want you to consider it. How are you growing in your love for other people here? Is it time you joined a discipleship group? got close enough to other people to to at least begin the journey to say that i'm in relationship that i i am in a loving friendship if you're not yet in a group we'll be starting a new group in september sign up on your way out at the welcome desk or, or go on to church suite we love one another if we believe in jesus So love is a sign of the life of God within us. It's a sign that we have a living belief in Jesus Christ. And finally this morning, the love we have for one another gives evidence for God himself. Our love for one another can serve as evidence to a watching world of the existence of God by his presence among us. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. John says there, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. When we love one another, people see God. Since God is love, when we love one another, people see God. Isn't this amazing? People in Bangor will tell you that they can't see God. To which our answer is, yes, you can. Come and we'll show you. Come and be among us and you'll see who God is, what he's like. You'll see that among us. Here at Hamilton Road, we have this unique opportunity to make God visible for the people before whom we live. So our love for one another can give evidence of three absolutely fundamental things. The life of God within us our faith in Jesus Christ and the very existence of God himself. Do you see what's at stake here with us loving God? Do you see why God's so invested in us becoming a loving community? Do you see now why love comes first? Folks, I'm finishing now and it's tempting to finish a sermon like this by saying something like this. Now that we have heard that love comes first, now that we've seen that it's a sign of life and of faith and of God himself, it's very important that we get on with it. So Hamilton Road, get on with it. Love each other. Well, maybe that would help you. Maybe that would work for you. It's tempting to finish the sermon that way, but that's not what I'm going to do. I'd rather share a little with you my confidence that God's love will change us. Let me share a couple of things that God's taught me about his love over the years. The first came to me sideways, um, not not from the Bible or from a theological writer, but from a novelist. Uh, During my years in Canada, I read Alistair MacLeod's No Great Mischief. Which tells the story of generations of Scottish settlers in Nova Scotia. It ends with this simple line the whole novel, years of history, it ends with this line all of us are better when we're loved. After a quarter of a century of testing this idea as a pastor, I found it to be true. I'm a much better person. When people love me, it brings out the best in me. I found that loving other people makes them into better people too. Loving one another, we create an environment in which people can flourish, in which they can really grow as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Let me remind you from James Houston what that environment of Christian love is like. Christian love is a fellowship of doing good to each other, redeeming each other, reconciling ourselves with each other, loving each other, sharing with each other, sacrificially assuring and building each other to grow together in community. When we build that kind of a community here, and to the extent that we do, we will start to bring out the As we love one another, we'll nurture each other and we will grow as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So there's a first thing to say about how God's love will change us. All of us are better when we're loved. As I'm sharing my confidence that God's love will change us, let me share a second thing. about This is, this is more about how this is all going to come about. It's going to come about for us when we realize one by one and in ever-increasing measure how utterly we're already surrounded by the love of God. I have Dallas Willard to, to thank for helping me to understand this a little better. He talks in, in the simplest but the most profound terms. Once I heard it, it changed It changed things for me in a very considerable way. He talks about the four movements of love. Let me share them and show them from 1 John chapter 4. The first movement of God's love. God loves us. Verse 9 of chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Do you know it yet? And to what extent? Is it an idea that sits on the edge of your mind? Or has it plumbed the depths of your heart and become the foundation of everything you believe about yourself? God Loves you. And the second movement then is that we learn to love God in return. Verse 19. You know this verse. We love only because he first loved us. His love comes to us and ours returns. The more we understand, grasp and receive, the more we start to return. The third movement of God's love, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. This love from God starts to flow out to other people. It's never just him and me. That's not what he wants. It's him and me and you. This love flows out to other people. And then, says Willard, in the fourth movement of love, love returns to us. I have no particular verse for that, but I can only tell you that it's logically the case and tell you it in my experience. If we're all loving one another, then you're my other who I'm loving, and I'm your other whom you're loving. I'm loving you, and you're loving me. And we can look around a building like this with hundreds of people in it. And say that not a single person isn't experiencing and enjoying the love of God. Isn't that quite something? Wouldn't you want to live in the flow of all four movements of love don't you want to open your life more and more to receive the love of God to allow his love to make you a better person to share his love with others and to bring the best out of them let's ask him to help us with all of this just now let's pray Lord, we've said in this series that we, we want to get serious about our character. We believe that you haven't given up on us. We believe that there are better days ahead for who we are. Lord, we believe that you can change us and that you want to change us. So today we pray that you would be growing this first fruit of your spirit in our lives, the fruit of love. Help us to begin to grasp and to grasp more than ever before the depth of your love for us. Let that realization of your love for us release new expressions of love for you. Lord, from our growing security in your love, Help us love one another. Lord, thank you for the love you're going to bring into our lives through our brothers and sisters around us here. Lord, we pray that as your love wells up in this place, people will see it and be drawn to you and find your love for themselves. We pray it in Jesus' name.